Yeah, nah, nah, nah. It's the Last Call podcast with Chris Michaels. It's going to be a quick one because I have other things to do. and uh, But I will give you broadcasting brilliance just the same. For everybody out there that is saying that a federal judge has ordered the FBI to release Seth, Rich laps- Seth Rich's laptop. Gosh, couldn't get that out. You are, I am sorry to say, sorely mistaken. So if you don't know who Seth Rich is, he was murdered... Uh, at 27 years old, he was a staffer for the DNC, and it was rumored to be that he is the one responsible for the Democratic re- uh, leaks into WikiLeaks. So when we have uh, John Podesta's emails leaked to WikiLeaks, and then we get Pizzagate and Walnut Sauce and leaving maps uh, on people's property somewhere, that's all through Seth Rich's laptop, supposedly. And so the whole idea of Russiagate and Russia hacking the elections and Russia stealing Democrats' party member emails and giving it to WikiLeaks is all bunk. It's nonsense. It is almost all responsible uh, due to Seth Rich's infiltration of the DNC and his subsequently releasing that information over to WikiLeaks. Now, what's also interesting about all of this is that it was all it was rumored that Seth Rich was murdered in a crosswalk due to a botched robbery. So a whole bunch of robbers ran away from the scene of the crime and they bumped into Seth Rich and they got startled and they shot him and they ran away and nobody knows what happened to them. And Seth Rich was left there in the crosswalk with all of his money and valuables left on his person. Uh, Then you also hear stories about the same night there were a whole bunch of MS-13 members also killed that night with bullets, uh, well... Entering their bodies from the backs of their heads. In other words, this seems like somebody hired MS-13 members to kill Seth Rich, and then those people that hired the MS-13 members killed those people, too, so that you have no traces back and no leads to go on. Now, Kim.com also came out back in 2017. He said that he was involved with Seth Rich releasing these kinds of materials to WikiLeaks, uh, so we're right there. We're right on the case. But here's the problem. Everybody that's out there saying, oh, my gosh, the truth has finally come. No, not really. Not really. The 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 United States government has been stonewalling this to, to, to make sure that Seth Rich does not uh, or Seth Rich's laptop. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be assuming room temperature for a long time now for six years. But the laptop does not get released to the public. That's what they want, because why? It's damaging. It would totally deflate the whole Russiagate nonsense. And so finally, people are saying, great, this is happening. But if you read the order by District Judge Amos Mazant, it says, It is further ordered that the government and Huddleston shall recommend to the court a timeline for the disclosure of information on Seth Rich's personal laptop, Seth Rich's work laptop, the DVD, and the tape drive within 14 days following the issuance of the me- of this memorandum, opinion, and ordered. It is so ordered. Signed, the date, 28th of November, 2023. So if you read this carefully, it's not saying that the laptop will be released. The judge is asking for the a timeline from the government 
about when the information can be released. And the government has to give a timeline to the judge within 14 days. Now, the timeline could extend another 75 years. And people don't want to read this carefully. The government has 14 days to get back to this judge and with the information saying we're going to release Seth Rich's information over the next 50 years or over the next week. It's not going to be over the next week. It's going to be a Pfizer document kind of deal where the government is going to try and push this out for another century before anybody gets their hands on it so that everybody's dead and nobody can uh, get mad at anybody else. So I hate to deflate the enthusiasm from all of this, but you have to read things specifically and you have to look at all of the words involved in these orders. The judge is only asking for a timeline. He's not saying you must keep this timeline within a year, within six months. All he's asking for is that you get back to me within two weeks. That's it. Not that big of a deal. But what is a big deal is that Texas is suing Pfizer, if you haven't heard about that, misrepresenting COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and conspiring to censor public discourse. Gosh, there's a lot of C's and S's in all of that. Uh, So this is a good thing, right? Pfizer violated the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act by engaging in false, deceptive, and misleading acts as it promoted the drug. And basically, what the Texas AG is going to try to say is, you promised us 95% efficacy. And what did we get? We got a whole bunch of dead people. We are pursuing justice for the people of Texas, many of whom were coerced by tyrannical vaccine mandates to take a defective product sold by lies. And Pfizer engaged in false, deceptive, and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's COVID-19 vaccine in violation of the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. And this could lead somewhere, and hopefully it does lead somewhere good. Pfizer's claim of 95% efficacy rested on deceptive framing of clinical trial observations. Now, what may that be? You all know, because I've gone through this in the past, how Pfizer was playing fast and loose with all of the numbers. And what did we find out from all of this? We found out that they basically did a speckledorf for all the SpongeBob fans out there. The Pfizer COVID vaccine, uh, I forgot where I got this from, uh, COVID-19 vaccine injected into billions of arms was not the same one used in Pfizer's clinical trials. There was a bait and switch. The clinical trials tested process one while the public received process two. And what they never told you is that process two was only tested on 252 people instead of the 40,000 people of process one. They also didn't tell you that the vials were contaminated with plasmid DNA. Keep that in mind. A new study by Kevin McKernan and colleagues found the presence of billions to hundreds of billions of DNA molecules per dose in these vaccines using, oh, here we go, fluorometry, fluorometry, All vaccines exceed the guidelines for residual DNA set by the FDA and the WHO in layman's terms. That's not 500% more 
that is up to 500 times more than the recommended uh, or legal amount of residual DNA that is acceptable in a vaccine. So that's very important to realize because who knows what people have been injected with. I mean, I don't have to worry about it, but who knows what other people have been in, in, put in their bodies. I'm so apoplectic, I can't even get the words out of my mouth tonight. Well, you know, there is a solar storm going on right now. I think it's supposed to last a couple of days. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed a lot of those times where there is a solar storm. I feel a bit groggy. I feel a bit discombobulated, a little foggy, too. So I don't know if that's something to do with it. I almost looked that up, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that. But anyway, going back to this story. So Pfizer should be in hot water. And the vaccine ultimately turns out to have a 0.85% effectiveness. Now, what they're going to try to say here, and this is my opinion, what Pfizer is going to try to say here is, well, one, uh, it's not a, a uh, approved product. It's authorized. The approved product is not available, and we don't know when it will become available. I got that letter. And, uh, well, everybody that took it had to sign a waiver. And everyone is going to say, what do you mean I, have to, I signed a waiver? I don't remember signing a waiver. If you signed a document prior to injection, that was your waiver. And that means that you were part of a trial because the injection was only authorized. In other words, it's still going through trials until at least 2027, the last time I checked up on the FDA documents. And so that means that the approved version of Cominarty or Spike Vax or whatever the hell they're trying to call it these days doesn't get released to the public until 2029, 2030, because after all the trials, there's usually about two years worth of data compiling, and the pharmaceutical companies have about two years to submit all of that paperwork to the FDA, and of course the FDA just rubber, rubber stamps it, and off you go. You're, you're at the races. So... Please, it's going to be a tough road to hoe here because there's a lot of subtlety to all of this and there's a lot of hoodwinking where a lot of people were not aware of exactly what was happening. But now here's where I told you to keep in mind that plasmid stuff. Ohio is facing unprecedented child pneumonia outbreak. Oh, my God. Gosh, unprecedented, like we've never seen. And then we have China talking about, uh, what do they call White pneumonia or pneumonia white lungs or white lung syndrome or something like that, which is essentially uh, pneumonia, pneumonia. And they also are now saying that, well, this is technically called... Uh, uh, mycoplasma. Here we go. Okay. Pneumonia mycoplasma. So why is this kind of important? All right. What's going on? In Ohio, and this comes from WFLA.com, in, in a concerning development, Warren County, Ohio, is grappling with an unexpected and significant amount of pneumonia in children, an event that has not only stirred local concern, but has also drawn parallels to the issues that are going on in China and Europe. Ooh, the situation is colloquially termed white lung syndrome, and it involves 142 pediatric cases reported since August. Oh, my gosh, 142 cases in August, September, October, in four months. Goodness gracious. 
The outbreak referred to white lung syndrome is causing concern amongst Ohio Department of Health officials. Oh, man, I can't speak tonight. Holy crap. <laughs> this is just awful. I'm going to end it early. I might as well end it here. Look, the point that I'm getting at here is that there's a new respiratory disease. It almost has the same common infections as mycoplasma, pneumonia, strep, and adenovirus. Now, what is white pneumonia? It's often seen in neonates. In other words, children with congenital syphilis. So that is awful because I looked that up and I wish I didn't. It's basically syphilis in children due to a mother being in, uh, coming down with syphilis and not curing it. And the child could essentially get syphilis in the womb or through breastfeeding if there's an open sore or through the umbilical cord if it's not treated properly. It's an awful, awful thing. And in the late 1800s, you can find pictures of these poor kids. I mean, it is heartbreaking to look at these kids with this stuff. But uh, the lung may be firm and pale owing to the presence of inflammatory cells and fibrosis in the septa. You know I can't pronounce these medical terms. But the point of all of this that I'm getting to comes from the National Library of Medicine. Acute Disseminated Encephalomyelitis, A-D-E-M, thank God there's an acronym for that, after consecutive exposures to mycoplasma and COVID vaccine, a case report. A previously healthy 44-year-old, notice the year, 44 years old, four decades plus of life, 44-year-old female presented to the emergency room with acute onset of tingling, numbness, and weakness of both lower extremities, urinary retention, blurred vision in the right eye, and midline lower back pain. Physical examinations revealed bilateral lower extremity weakness, so not a lot of movement, absent deep tendon reflexes, and decreased sensations. She received the first COVID vaccine six days prior to presentation in the ER. Imaging of her lumbar spine and head were consistent with an active, here we go, good luck, Chris, trying to pronounce this garbage, demyelinating plaque consistent with demyelinating disease, either multiple sclerosis or ADEM. The patient was started on solomedrol, 500 milligram, whatever, for five days. Serological workup and CSS were non-significant except for this woman six days after getting the COVID shot at 44 years old came down with mycoplasma pneumonia. Now, why is somebody coming down with mycoplasma pneumonia when it is supposed to be only really found in children? That is something that we have to start to ask ourselves and ask everybody else out there, right? Unless I'm terribly wrong, which wouldn't be the first time. Um, that says to me that these cases that are coming out that says, oh, we've got white lung syndrome. We've got the pneumonia all over the place. That's it. The world's coming to an end. What are we going to do? It's life-threatening in infants and elderly. Oh, my gosh. Holy smokes. Inflammatory response-induced immune injury and immune invasion. Right? Right? Immuno 
deficiency is associated with mycoplasma pneumonia. Pneumonia. What does this sound like? Sounds like an adverse event. Sounds like after an injection, this poor 44-year-old woman had her immune system demolished to the point where she caught a pneumonia, a bacteria, that is normally only found in children. And more often than not, children suffering from syphilis. If that doesn't say that these shots potentially demolished immune systems and caused VADES, immunodeficiency, then I don't know what else will. And somebody really needs to start looking at all of this. Because you want to talk about depopulation. Well, this is it. This is it. You have a 44-year-old woman coming down with this crap. So hopefully Texas gets its way. Hopefully Texas gets some uh, damages out of all of this. And I'm going to leave you with this because I have to go. And I don't know why I'm stumbling all over my words tonight. Mythology Thursday. How about that? Surprise for everybody. Uh, the creation. And we're going to go back to the Elder Edda which is from Norse mythology, far to the north. And this is creation myths, of, of course. Uh, I'll start in the beginning. Of old there was nothing, nor sand, nor sea, nor cool waves, no earth, no heaven above, only the yawning chasm. The sun knew not her dwelling, nor the moon his realm. The stars had not their places. Important, important thing to note here. The sun knew not her dwelling, the nor the moon, his dwelling. Normally, the sun is considered male and the moon is considered female. So we have to maybe do some digging as to why the Norse inverted the genders, unless they're confusing them. I mean, it's completely possible in this day and age. So, far to the north was Niflheim. The cold realm of death and far to the south was Muspelheim, the land of fire. Okay, so let me say that again. Far to the north, so the North Pole, was Niflheim, spelled N-I-F-L-H-E-I-M. Niflheim, Nephilim, Niflheim, Nephilim. You get it, right? Fallen Angels, Book of Enoch, so on and so forth. To the south, land of fire, underworld, typical. From Niflheim, twelve rivers poured, which flowed into the chasm, and freezing there, filled it up slowly with ice. Twelve rivers. You have twelve hours of the day. Horus of Egyptian mythology walked across the sky in twelve steps. You have the twelve-step program if you're an addict, right? You have the twelve signs of the zodiac. You have the twelve apostles, on and on. Odin and his two brothers killed Ymir, the first giant which would explain why we get Niflheim, Nephilim, and Ymir associated with being a giant. They made the earth and sky from him, the sea from his blood, the earth from his body, the heavens from his skull. They took sparks from Muspelheim and placed them in the sky as the sun, moon, and stars. The earth was round and encircled by the sea. Notice they don't say it is a sphere. They say it is round. That does not mean a sphere. A disc could be round. A great wall, which the gods built out of Ymir's eyebrows. Talk about, wow, talk about caterpillars. Defended the place where mankind was to live. So we're living in a 
round earthen plane guarded by eyebrows. The space within was called Midgard. Here, the first man of women and woman were created from trees, the man from an ash tree and the woman from an elm. They were the parents of all of mankind. And then it goes through, it goes through other uh, beings that live there, including dwarves and elves. And, uh, but th- that's really the point about what I wanted to make. And then th- there's something called the Well of Knowledge, uh, guarded by a wise person. The serpent and his brood gnawed continually, continuously at the root beside Niflheim, which caused the killing of the Tree of Knowledge and the Well of Knowledge, too, uh, and caused a lot of problems with frost giants and whatever else. But the point behind all of this and the creation is that they're saying that a person, a giant, so big was killed, and we are now living on the remains and living within the remains of this giant. If you go all throughout the American Southwest, and if you look up Michael Tellinger, you will find that Michael Tellinger and me, if you look at stones, if we, and I've looked at stones, I've met him a few times, I've showed him the pictures I've taken. Some of the stones, and the, and when I say stones, I mean like four, five, six foot tall stones. So I'm really talking about boulders. They bear a striking resemblance to various organs of the body, faces, uh, hands. Uh, they look molded. They don't look like, you know, very craggy. They, they look like they were either mud or flesh. If you look at some of the monuments, the national monuments um, out in the Midwest and out in the West. It, it, I, I wish I had the name of that uh, of that one spot uh, where you just see how the the geology forced the, these rocks to curve in like a big wind or a wave style motion. If you look at the Badlands, if you look at uh, if, if you look into Utah, uh, what you find over there um, these rocks do not look like they were just created out of nothing. It looks like they could possibly be flesh. And Michael Tellinger, if you go onto YouTube, he's got fantastic videos. He hasn't done a lot lately, but or a couple of years ago he did before COVID, where he found what looks like fossilized organs in South Africa. He found what looks like to be a heart, a hoof, and I've seen them in person. I mean, it looks like that if his story is true. So this North mythology, I would say, is probably truer than false. And so I would say to you, if you're ever in an area that doesn't have a lot of shrubs or trees, if you're in the American Southwest or in a desert, I want you to look at rocks slightly differently. I want you to notice that boulders in massive piles fit together too precisely to just be placed there at random or be the cause of wind, rain, and erosion. Doesn't make any sense to me, anyway. So just keep that in mind. Tilt your head, squint your eyes, look at it in a certain light, maybe only in full moonlight, and just use your imagination ever so slightly if you see a mound of rocks somewhere out in the desert, if you're going to do a Carlos Castaneda kind of uh, jaunt over the Christmas vacation, because I think you'll be slightly surprised about what your mind will allow you to see if you're open to that idea. So that's going to be it for me. I'm shot. Holy cow, I can't get the words out. You know how I do. 
on Friday. Um, I am out of here. I will be back next week, and uh, that will be it. You know what to do. Like me, find me, share me. Last Call Caravan on X. Last Call Podcast on all of your social media platforms that you listen to podcasts on. Enjoy the weekend as I fumble and mumble all of the words in my mouth.